Well, well, well. <laughs> and, and welcome back. This You're used, really going to go with that. I figured, why not? <laughs> this used to be the Short Staff Podcast, now rebranding Padcat, the podcast for applied theology. A couple reasons. We've launched the Institute for Applied Theology here in the process of that. And also we've added some staff members which have heightened our threshold. And so we're no longer a short staff, uh, both numerically and height-wise. And uh, one of those is Chaz Farmer here, who is, we just learned, 5'10 or 5'11. Something like that. Yeah. How when was the last you? time you checked? I'm 5'7. I don't know. So yeah, I'm, Chaz I'm right towers over me. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So Towering. with a, a new podcast uh, brand comes a new podcast season. This is Christ the King, and we wanted Amen. to take our time walking through the scriptures and showing this development of the Messiah. This doesn't come out of nowhere. God has been preparing his people for a long time for the coming of Messiah. But it's easy just saying Christ is king or talking about Messiah and Christ's language and just assume we know what we're talking about when we say the word king. Sometimes we just compare king with the worldly kings that we're used to, that we've seen modeled, or maybe in our history books, some of the more domineering figures in the world's uh, past. But the Bible starts out very clearly uh, with these different categories, giving us our conception of what a king should be, the ideals. And we find this in the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis. And this is the beginnings of many things, the beginnings of the universe, the beginnings of life, mankind, of sin, of nations, but also the beginning of king. And so we have a couple texts we want to walk through. And Pastor Tony, why don't you start us off with Genesis 1? Well, you know, I, I think it's fascinating, you know, when God uh, reveals himself to us and uh, through Moses pins down the Pentateuch, um, we would like to have, as, um, you know, inquiring minds, we'd like to have all the scientific information. We'd like to have, you know, a detailed uh, outline of how creation, how the universe, that's what man is always trying to unravel. But God is he's going to reveal himself as relational. And, he, um, and when he opens up the book of Genesis, uh, we find very quickly that um, he is sovereign creator. Uh, he is creating a world. And in this world that he is creating, he, uh, he has a plan uh, for man to have a special role in, um, in dominion over all that he has created. And um, when, when you come to chapter number 1, verse 26, the, the text that we often look at, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And here's the thing being debated today, male and female, he created them. So from the very beginning, we have, um, you know, a beautiful relationship where the, the creator, God, is creating, you know, in, in these days of creation, all that there is. But yet when he comes to create man, he creates man as special, uh, 
uh, uh, creation, uh, in his own likeness, in his own image. And, um, you know, today we, we live in a culture that wants to elevate nature, elevate the world, uh, want to worship um, the creation more than the creator. But um, without question, man is not this the highest evolved of the species. He is the special creation of God. And because he's made uh, in the image of God, God's design is for him to rule over all of creation. God, God makes him vice regent. Uh, he, he is he's charged with uh, the dominion and the subduing of, uh, of all the created order. And, uh, and that's an incredible thing when you, when you think about what God has placed uh, under man, that God has placed all of the fish of the sea, the birds of the air. You know, today we've got everything so upside down in our world that we've become a culture that gets more outraged over um, a, a puppy being abused than the murder of uh, of the unborn children. You know, we, we get the whole thing upside down because we lose sight of the fact that man's not just an animal. Man is created in the image of God and has been given this unique position to rule over the universe and and to bring it under um, the lordship of Christ. To, um, to subdue, you know, m- means to... To, it's like a, a general bringing a, an, an army under submission to a king, and, and that's what the role of man is to be. And um, R.C. Sproul, in, in uh, his book, The Essential Truths of the Christian Faith, he said, we're called to reflect the character of God's righteous rule over the universe. He never ravages or exploits what he rules, but he reigns in justice and kindness. And, uh, and that's the unique place that God has placed man. Not, not that we're to ravage or to exploit. I don't think we even need to, you know, to misuse the earth. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not an environmentalist, but I do believe in environmental things. We should take care of the earth because God has placed that under our dominion, and we don't want to exploit or we don't want to, to ravage the good gift of God. Uh, but we're to do it in a way that is, is honoring to God. And um, I, I just read this in, in one of uh, R.C. Scroll's writings. Subduing creation for God's glory is multifaceted. It involves the raising of godly children, the conversion of the nations, so that the world will be filled with sanctified image bearers. That's good. And that's, you know, that's really what he's getting at from the very beginning. And... Um, you know, when we recognize that that, that other person, whether um, they agree with us or they disagree with us, whether they're uh, of our ethnicity or our social standing, they're made in the image of God, and therefore we're to treat them with dignity and respect. And that comes right out of, and we talk about this all the time, that if you don't get Genesis right, you're not going to get right. the world right. You're not going to get your, your life right if you don't have Genesis right. So, um, you know, th- this is a, a key verse, um, you know. And then today, as we're talking about with the gender issues, uh, from the very beginning, God created them. He created them male and female. That's God's design. And, um, and so anything that, 
that uh, wants to redefine and, and wants to uh, redesign what God has designed is an act of, uh, of rebellion. And so raising our kids, our family, all of these things is a part of the subduing of this world for Christ That's right. and, of course, the nations. And I like the purpose yeah, yeah. that you're tying with that. God has a purpose for this, yes. that the earth will be filled right. with image, image bearers bears. that yeah. are sanctified, that are obedient, right. and that all of creation yeah. will be in harmony with the Creator. And this is, a, this is different yeah. from what we see today yeah. in the kings of this earth. Yeah. How we look around and we see how man has abused this authority. So whenever the Bible's telling us, uh, introducing us to this idea of being a vice regent and under king right. serving the living God and uh, rule and dominion, it's a good thing. Yeah. It is a good thing and a sanctified thing and it has a good purpose, not right. for yeah. selfish ambition, but for peace and harmony for all. Right. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, we're a vice regent too. We're we're not. Yeah, that's right. And, and when you think about that, you know, my mind goes to Joseph when he's in mm -hmm. Egypt. Mm -hmm. yep. You know, the all, all the the storehouses of grain were not his. Right. He was overseeing, and, and we're stewards right. of these things that God has given us dominion over. That doesn't mean I have ownership. I, I'm a steward, so that means I'm accountable. Yeah. For how I shepherd my family and how I shepherd the church and how I treat image bearers yeah. and how I carry out this, uh, this bringing about of subduing the earth. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like not, it's not going to be if you're going to have an impact on, the, on those around you and on the earth. It's what kind of impact are you going to have? Yeah. Are you going to try to be God mm -hmm. and therefore all of your dominion, all of your rule and impact will be self-seeking, right. or are you going to submit to the good God of heaven yeah. and bring everything under his rule? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's good. And the Bible keeps on going, and then uh, day uh, six is kind of zoomed in with chapter number two, and you have this special creation of man, uh, Moses taking time to really flesh out uh, some more of the detail which takes place in this uh, relationship that he enters into, this covenant that he re enters into with man, this uh, first of his under kings. And so, Pastor Dudley, will you uh, walk us through some of this? Amen. Well, if, if we look in uh, verse 19 of chapter 2, uh, God does the following, out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. And so we see that man is naming the creatures. And of course in the Bible, to name something is a sign of authority over. And we see that because God names man. He calls man or mankind Adam. Uh, both male and female. And then he later he changes Abram's name to Abraham. He changes Sarai's name to Sarah. He changes Jacob's name to Israel. Uh, Jesus, upon meeting Peter, as we just studied in church just a couple of weeks ago, what's the first thing he does? He changes Peter's name. He says, well, you're Peter. And so that's a sign of authority. Jesus is uh, asserting his authority there over Peter as his disciple. And then the same thing happens here by man naming the animals. It shows that they're under his authority. And also uh, God gives him that authority because it said 
that whatever man called a living creature, that was its name. He doesn't come and try to second guess what man's doing. He gives that authority to man and allows him to use it uh, because he entrusted that responsibility to him. And that goes back to this idea of stewardship that we as stewards are to be doing things for the owner. And there's this idea, I think, in our society, because we're so individualistic, we don't have this concept anymore. It used to be that when you'd have maybe the, the uh, lifetime employment with an employer, somebody might have that idea. Now, when people are jumping jobs every uh, six months or every 12 months, it's the idea of what am I going to get out of it? What am I going to get out of it? You're not thinking about your employer. You're not thinking about uh, the benefit of the one who owns the operation. You're always thinking about what am I going to get? And, of course, we see that in the fall that was the temptation of uh, Satan to uh, Eve, is that, you know, it, it, you will become, you will become, you will become. It's all about you, and you'll have your own autonomy. But the security that you have as a steward is that uh, you are being blessed to serve your sovereign and to serve your king, and there's a joy in that uh, that we don't appreciate because we don't do it. We don't have enough lifetime experiences seeing that, but I think we, we have a little bit of it, uh, when, we're, when you're at work, you have a little bit of that, and you have a little bit of it when you're at work and when you have a good manager at work. When you see the manager is working not just for himself, but he's working for the owners of the company, or he's working for the good of the institution. Uh, and that's rare. We don't see that enough, because often we see managers as being rapacious. They're going and seeking their own good, their own benefit. They're all after number one. Uh, and of course, the news media continually has story after story after story of these uh, very rapacious guys using their position to uh, dominate those around them and not serve them. But uh, stewardship is a situation where that which is put into our uh, authority or under our authority is something that we manage for the benefit of the owner. And so the earth has been given to man for us to manage and improve and serve for the benefit of our King, which is the Lord Jesus Christ for us, of course. And um, I think this idea that uh, in, in our relationships, we're all in it for ourselves. Well, it, it can't be that way. If you're, if you're wanting to have a healthy family, the healthy family begins with the father serving the children, the father serving his wife, the father laying his life down for them. And this, it's the same with those, that which God has given to us. Are we serving that way? And, of course, ultimately we see this in Jesus Christ as he comes and he says, uh, no, I don't want you to uh, act the way the Gentiles act. As is the, the, the mother lorded over them. That's the uh, mother of John the Baptist comes, and I want my sons, one to sit on your right and one to sit on your left. I want them to have power. I want them to be able to boss everybody else around, basically. And the other disciples recognized that because they all became furious because they wanted to be the ones bossing everybody around. And Jesus immediately goes to the heart of it and says, no, you don't understand. You have the wrong model. Your model is the model of the Gentiles, which is to lord it over, and that the one who is the king is doing everything for himself. But no, the king, his goal is to build up the kingdom. And how do you build up the kingdom? By having a a, a set of servants, a set of properties that are producing and rejoicing in their king. The most productive kingdom is the one where everybody loves the king. 
the most productive kingdom is where everybody is wanting to do the best for the king. What, what can be done best for you? And how do you, why do you want to serve somebody? Because that person is serving you. And then Jesus demonstrates that. And he says, let he who would be great among you be the servant of all. And then he demonstrates it again in the upper room when he says, I'm going to wash your feet. And he does it. And this is the uh, idea of true dominion. The one who is truly in a place of dominion is comfortable in his position. And so Jesus has no problem washing his disciples' feet. And he says to them, if I do this as your Lord and your master, he knows who he is. It's not like he's uh, changing who he is. He's comfortable in who he is. The one who is domineering, who wants to lord it over someone, is usually not comfortable in their position. They're insecure. You see that at, at work. The guy who wants to come in, I'm the boss. I'm the boss. You're going to do it this way because I'm the boss. Or the father who says that. And I speak maybe to my own shame in this, that you're the father who wants to come with this heavy hand on his children or on his wife saying, you're going to do it because I said it. Is that the servant leadership that Jesus Christ is calling Kayla woman? Woman. Sort of like that. Yeah, I know that. that Uh, for the record, I do not do that. <laughs> we'll ask Kayla if that's true. Yeah, we'll bring her in. We'll ask her, yeah, we'll get, bring her Testify. in as, as a testimony for that. Yeah. But that's the glory of servant uh, leadership. And that is what man was designed to do. And, and, we're, and how do we know how to be those kinds of leaders? Because God demonstrates it to us. Right. God creates a perfect environment for man. He provides everything for him. You know, man is the servant. Why is God giving him this wonderful garden to live in? Why is God, God providing him with all of this food? Why is God bringing the animals to him and, and making sure that they submit to him? And then why does God use this as an illustration of, man, you need something else. You need a helper. I've got that for you as well. And here's your helper. That's God acting as the servant caring for that which is under his dominion, under his authority. And that's the example that he's setting for us, that we too should be caring for those under us. And I I thought of this uh, as we we were preparing for this uh, session. Uh, Years ago, I remember in the uh, the Christian movement that uh, my father was in, there was this whole idea of uh, the sheep are supposed to come and serve the shepherd. You know, oh, good, you know, you'll get into this. You come and join us, and you'll have somebody over there washing your car, and you'll have somebody else will come over, and your, your wife, it'll be great. Somebody will be coming over and vacuuming the house. And my father said, no, I don't want to be, do that. He said, I, I have a dictator complex. He said, this just feeds the dictator complex. This doesn't make me more like Christ. Right. It makes me more like the opposite yeah. of Christ. This yeah. is what Christ was warning against. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we see that in our uh, modern situation where you see all of these scandals, yeah. financial scandals, sexual scandals, because often those that are in a position of leadership in the church don't understand what it means to be a steward. God has entrusted to them the lives yeah. of his people, the lives of his sheep. And as an under-shepherd, your goal is to care for them and to care for them not for your own benefit, not to enrich yourself, not to become fat, as we read in Ezekiel where uh, he rebukes So you think the pastor that. needs a reserved parking spot right by the door so he doesn't have to walk very far? <laughs> <laughs> 
personal I, Well, there's an argument to be made there. There's an argument to be Absolutely. made there. I, I don't want to take anybody's parking space away or anything. Uh, over the years, I've had that very same conversation, you know. People that mean well, but they want to they want to right. provide for their pastor, and it's something as simple as we need to mark off a spot right here. No, I need to park right. like as far away and walk so a, a visitor can park there. Right. But in their mind, they they want to elevate you, and they want to, right. and and you're trying to not feed that exactly that sinful part of us. You know, when we listen to people's compliments and and we take on that which they're they're heaping. Then it's only feeding the sinful right. part of me. It's not helping me to be more humble and Christ-like and more of a servant attitude, you know. And as we think about this this kingship, you know, I've always said American Christianity is going to be askewed because we've never lived under a sovereign. Right. We we, we have this it. mentality that everybody gets an equal vote. Democracy rules, and when it comes to living under the lordship of Christ, you don't get a vote. And we we need to understand that we are, we've got a gr- glorious king. He is a gracious king, and serving King Jesus is a joy. Religion is burden, but Jesus is joy. As we were talking this past Sunday about the, the miracle of uh, turning the water into the wine, uh, the picture is that Judaism had become a burden to the people. There was no joy. Right. But when the bridegroom came, when the king came, when Messiah came, there came joy. And um, if if our people are serving under a burden and, and under just a drudgery, uh, it won't last long. But if they love the king and they're doing it with joy because they rec- they recognize how glorious a king he is, they're going to endure. Because exactly. joy will endure. Amen. All right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, let's talk practice. This is, after all, the podcast for applied theology. We don't want to leave things up in the air, and you guys have already uh, been very practical with this. But uh, theology meets the ground, and it influences and forms everything that we do. And so, Chaz, why don't you start? How, how do we live this out, this insight yeah. as, uh, yeah. as being God's under king? Well, um, like Dudley said, God gave to mankind this perfect garden. It was really good, but he gave them responsibilities over it, right? He said in uh, Genesis 2, 15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. It wasn't just supposed to run wild and do whatever it just would. Though it was perfect, Adam was keeping it uh, under control, cultivating it and keeping it. So one of the cool things I always think of when I think about this is the way that me and my dad do excavation together. We go and dig footers for houses. We go make the dirt be suitable for a house to be built on top of it. You're an excavator. Well, he is. I hold the grade pole. I don't do a whole lot of work. (laughs) But we go and we make the earth do what we need it to do so that a house can be built on it. And then that's Adamic. That is cultivating the earth so that it's better for us than it was before. And that's, God said, cultivate it. Dig it up. Make it do what you want it to. 
Um, and a family so will live you. there in that And a home. family's going to live yeah, there. Right. Babies are going to be uh, raised on that land. That is just yeah, such a beautiful good. thing. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had thought of uh, you know, just the responsibility that Adam failed in. Um, you know, he was charged with as a king to protect this space that God had given him to protect his wife. Right. And there's this juxtaposition in Scripture between the first man, the first king, and then the last man, the last king. And what Christ came to do is what Adam failed to do. Mm -hmm. And the very uh, first expectation of what this last king is going to come to do is crushing the head of the serpent. And that's the thing that Adam failed at. And uh, protecting and eat in this... Uh, war, a godly, holy war against evil, that's part of the responsibility wrapped up into, uh, into being a king. And so when the serpent came in, he was to keep it, protect, um, guard, other ways of translating that verb. And yet he didn't do that. He allowed the enemy to slither in, to deceive his wife. He stood by and, and watched it happen. And us as under kings, God has entrusted uh, to us our spaces, our homes, our families, and the enemy's always trying to deceive, uh, trying to get at your kids through TV, uh, through pornography. Um, there, are, there are people who might try to captivate uh, the wife of your heart. You are to be there as a guardian and as a protector. And sure, that might mean event, uh, self-defense, but beyond that, you are on the guard, watching out for evil, protecting this space that God has given you. And there's various ways that that uh, can manifest itself. Yeah, I, I remember many years ago when Adrian Rogers was preaching. Uh, this was back in the day when uh, HBO had just came out. Cable TV was huge, and... Um, and he was talking about all of the evils that were there in the home because we've opened up our, our space uh, to, to all these things. And he said, you know, if you had a hole, if you had a hole in your living room and there were poisonous snakes coming in and out all day long threatening your family, he said any man would get up and he'd kill the snake and he'd plug up the hole. But he said, yet we sat by and we allow this cable to come in and bring all of this you know, basically soft pornography at that time on HBO. And we let our family sit there and we're not protecting, we're not providing. And um, I thought, well, how absolutely true that is. Just as the, the serpent slithered into the garden, you know, here we in our own homes where we're supposed to be having rule and dominion, that falls on the man, that falls right. on us. And then we allow all of this stuff. And, and then today, of course, with all of the, the wireless and all of the pornography that's out there available and everything, man, we, we have a task. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the statistics are off the chart at the number of men that, um, that are addicted to pornography. Right. Right. And, um, and even the ones that are not, they've been influenced by it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got to be vigilant. you got to right. be vigilant. Yeah. You know. yeah. Ever vigilant, that's right. Which that's... You're talking about Adam not protecting the garden in Milton's Paradise Lost, mm. which that's a, it's an interpretation kind of filling in the gaps we get in Genesis. But that's what happens. Eve says, hey, Adam, I'm going to go work over here. And Adam's like, I don't know. I don't think that's a good idea. What if something happens? 
And she's like, no, I'm going to. It'll be fine. And Adam should have said no. But in the story, he goes, okay, fine. And that's when the serpent comes in. So, yeah, mm-hmm. vigilant. Right, yep. Vigilant. Well, also, you know, the, the negative uh, today is, is work. And it's almost as though we have a, a negative view of labor and work. Right. And, and think that that come about because of sin. Right. But work is a good thing. Amen. It's a part of God's design and his order. And it was before the curse. Yep. Man had responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the Bible is very clear how we redeem work. Right. is by doing it to the glory of God, Amen. Yeah. recognizing that everything we do, we do to the glory yeah. of God. So that's whether yeah. we're a plumber, whether a mechanic, whatever we are, we're a Christian, and we do serve an earthly boss. We need to be honest. We need to be on time. We need to do all that. But it's because we recognize beyond him, mm-hmm. we're serving King Jesus. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, so everything true. we do is a part of the kingdom. Right. Amen. And right. you hear that in the way people talk about like ministry positions, for example. Yes. They, That's they say, somehow separate. Yeah, yeah. And they'll say, "Man, I don't, I don't, I don't work. I enjoy what I do yeah. in ministry." I was like, yeah. "But that's still work." It's work. Right. The right. the thing that is part of the curse is the vanity that comes with work. That's right. what right. and the self fulfillment that yes, we try to get out of it. Solomon's lamenting on, yeah. but because. 1 Corinthians 15, because Christ is the reigning victorious king, mm. our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Right. Everything we do, we right. can do to the glory of the Lord. Right. Yeah, and I think that 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 dichotomy that somewhere came into even you know, the church of the sacred realm and, and the secular. Yeah. And if you're a child of God, there is no secular That's realm. Right. It's all yeah. the it's realm. All of, that means yeah. how you parent at home. That means mm-hmm. how you husband. That means how you work on the job. It's all in the realm because it's underneath the kingship and the lordship of Christ. So it's all in the sacred realm. Amen. Amen. Yeah, and Jesus demonstrated that too because he said, Father, that which you've given me, I've lost none of them. Mm -hmm. You know, he he had a job to do. Yeah. And the Father had given him certain ones and he has kept them all. He hasn't lost. And then he he prays, Lord, uh, protect them. You know, secure them. Continue to... Care for them, those you have given to me. I want, I want them to ever be preserved. And, yeah. and what, why does he do it? He says, Lord, uh, glorify me so that you may be glorified. Right. And this is our, should be our prayer. You know, what glory do we want? We want glory to come to the king. Right. And then work is uh, fulfilling. Work is satisfying because we know that all of that work is being done to and for and under the authority of the king. Right. And uh, I think that's something that we've gotten away from. And I think because we don't really understand the ramifications of the fall. I was Mm -hmm. looking at this and, you know, God speaks to Noah. And you see that it it was interesting. Noah, I just got this on my own, so I don't know if you guys correct me if it's uh, if it's off. Noah preserves the animals that God has given to him. You know, it's Noah that builds the ark, and then those animals are preserved in that. So he's still fulfilling what God has given him to do. But then when we come into the ninth chapter of Genesis, it says, God says, well, now their animals are going to be afraid of you. There's Mm going to be fear and terror. Mm -hmm. And that was something that was not there before between man's relationship with creation, with the animals. There wasn't this fear and terror that they had of man, but now they have it because that was introduced as a part of the fall. But then we see in um, 
Isaiah, when the branch comes, the lion and the lamb, they're able to lay down yeah. together. The animals are, are in yeah. unity together because that's all that's being restored un, because everything comes under the authority of the king, the true yeah. king, mm -hmm. again. Yeah. And that's a, a restoration. And yeah. God brings about that in his creation itself. Yeah. So we can look forward to that uh, as well, that God is going to restore all those things. Yeah, the redemption well. story begins in a garden and it ends, ends in a garden. Amen. And it, it's, it's the whole narrative of God's redeeming work is a, a restoration of all that was lost plus so much more. Right. Yep, and in that context yeah. in Revelation, and we will reign with Christ forever yeah. and ever. Yeah. And, ever. and, yeah. and that, uh, that yeah. kingly language, it just sticks from beginning yeah. to end. Absolutely. And, yeah. right. and since work is not a result of the fall, um, I, I think the Bible clearly indicates that, that eternity in heaven is not going to be sitting on a cloud strumming a harp. Oh, no. yeah. it's going to have. We're going to have divine responsibilities right. to yeah. carry out as yeah. as vice regents. Yeah, and heaven so, and earth will be one. Yeah, and, and so we'll be here and yeah. cultivating. And, because I have people yeah. all the time think you know say that you know well heaven is just one big praise session and we're just all going to be singing. Well, yeah, we're going to worship without question, right. but we're going to have yeah. much more fulfillment. Yeah. than anything we've ever experienced down here. Right. Yeah. And if part of God's design before the fall was for man to find fulfillment mm -hmm. in his work and, and in, in serving the creator, how much more will that be fulfilled in heaven? Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing stopping us from trying to practice that now. Mm -hmm. yeah. Rehearse yeah. for that great Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any final words, brothers? No. I, I just It's amazing when you think about... Um, that, uh, that the sovereign creator God of this universe would make us in his own image and likeness and then share that rule and dominion with us. Amen. It's incredible. Yeah. Christ is not. Yeah. Well, listeners, viewers, we hope that this was encouraging. We hope that you would know that because your king lives and reigns that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And uh, tune in next week. We will continue following this kingly language through the scriptures uh, and uh, looking uh, to uh, the coming of the Messiah and the coming pages of the Word of God. So God bless you, and uh, I guess uh, looking forward to next week. Amen. You guess you are. I guess I am. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah.